Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Staying Sane with Andy Jane. I'm really excited to uh, introduce to you today a, a guest who I have only known for a couple of months, but it seemed like I've known him for a pretty decent amount of time. Uh, he's definitely one of my closest friends. Uh, and yeah, I'm really excited for you guys to hear his story. So have a listen. My next guest on the podcast is 28-year-old Jewel Irish, an American citizen who is currently living in Bend, Oregon. He is also currently uh, working at the Bunk and Brew as well as being a wildland firefighter. He is extremely well-traveled and has worked in bars in Ireland, Spain, and New York. In 2018, he through-hiked the Pacific Crest Trail, and in 2015, he ran the Connor Marathon in Galway, finishing in 4 hours 35 minutes. Please welcome to the podcast my good friend, Mikey Killeen. How's it going? Yeah, cheers for having me. No, that's a good, hey, it's taken so long to get you, like, we talked about this probably a month and a half ago. Yeah. Um, I I think it's it's when you first moved in here, I think you mentioned it to me and you're like, yeah, I'd love to get you on and and it's been so busy. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, you've been away down fine fires in California. Um, I've been jumping around the the state of Oregon and so it's finally uh, worked out where we've both had some time to be able to sit down and do it. So, um, how have you been? Good, yeah. No, it's been a it's been a good summer so far. And, um, a lot of things haven't gone as planned, but for the most part, I can't say I have any regrets because of that. It's it's been been one of the better summers that I've had so far in my life. Um, the last few years have all been very different in their own way, but this one is definitely like it's been the most settled I've been, um, and I'm kind of happy for it. It's it's it, it wasn't what I expected, but it's definitely been worth it. It's so been, far. Yeah, it's been great. This um definitely lives up to last year. Like I had such a good time living in the hostel last year and I'm really glad I made the move back here, even given the the whole COVID circumstances. Mm. I've, I've still managed to do almost everything I set out to do. Obviously there's a few hikes that I haven't been able to go on because I haven't been able to cross the border into Canada and uh, a few other things but generally I'm being super soaked uh, and we have a really good crew at the hostel this year that yeah, are definitely. like wanting to go out and do things and just make the most of their time here so it's been great mm-hmm. so uh, jumping straight in um, have you enjoyed living in the United States so how, you've been here for three kind, kind of on and off for three years yeah I have absolutely loved living here in the States um, kind of floating back back and forth between here and here and home in Dublin but um uh, I, I I kind of foresee myself staying here for for the foreseeable future, anyways. With the with you know the odd little visit bit back home, but um I can see this being home, uh, America being home for for the next while at least. Would you like raise a family here, or would that be back in Ireland? That's something that I'm gonna have to kind of tackle head on when it comes. Um, I've thought about it. I'm like, would it be good to raise a family here, or would it be good to maybe meet someone and then. You know, bring them back home and, and start the family there. That that that's what my dad did. Uh, he came over here when he was about twenty one, and he met my mom, and they lived here for a few years, and then they had my sister, and then they they moved back to Ireland, had me, my little sister, and then started like there. Uh, so uh, options to be weighed as they come. Um, but I mean, in like you know, I don't want to get too much into it, but like in terms of of like education and things like that, I I would say uh, it would be better to raise a family back home uh, price wise um quality wise too um maybe some people would disagree with me but i i do think we got a really good education system back home so yeah there's definitely many things i got to think about i, I feel like i'm in the same boat as well mm. especially like dane and american at the moment um like i would love to probably raise kids in new zealand <laughs> 
like especially with our healthcare down there, mm. uh, the education system down there is so good as well. It's so much more affordable. Um, but uh, ladies, line on up if you want that. Uh, if you want that dual citizenship, uh, here's here's one to <laughs> to to, uh, to yeah pick. Um, I, uh, funny enough, when I was I was in New York uh, there from January uh, to about April, and a bunch of people were telling me that uh, the dual citizenship that I have is worth between fifteen and twenty grand, because there's people who will pay for that marriage, sham or not. But um, yeah, <laughs> it's. If, if I'm ever short for cash, it could be something that I could explore. There we go. <laughs> Do it down in Vegas. Down in uh, Vegas, yeah. Uh, what do you find are the main differences between the two countries? Because obviously both Western countries mm. both speak the same language, mm-hmm. although you Irish, I hardly understand half um, the time. But Likewise with the, with the Kiwis. <laughs> but I do... Uh, obviously, they both have lots of similarities but what do you, what do you find the most different about the countries uh, culturally uh, there's there's a lot of differences um i mean obviously there's a huge split between you know your your democrats and your republicans here and back home we're a lot more liberally swung like it's it's, it's much more of a liberal country um but like to get away from politics just uh, i think culture and, and like personality of people too like for example, here small talk is completely different to what would be back home. Like I know the Irish are kind of known for for having the gift of the gab and just being able to to kind of chat away and and we do small talk very very well and we can make things very comfortable. Uh, you'll sit down with a stranger over a cup of tea and you'll learn about their their life story. Whereas here it's a li- little bit more. I don't know. Uh, the formalities are are definitely different. Like even just like. Going out to the pub back home, you know, you go out with your friends or, you know, with a group of people and it's just, it's a different feel from there to what it would be over here. Uh, I do like that difference though. It's just, you know, I like to explore different cultures and I really have kind of connected very well with a lot of the Americans over here from both both sides of, 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 of the spectrum, you know, from your hardcore uh, opinionated like polit- polit- political people or just the kind of traveling community, especially that would be here in Bend. Uh, that that was something that was very unique to me. It kind of took me by storm. Um, the the traveling community, or not the traveling community, but the dirt bag community. We would call them back home the traveling community, and they they're viewed so differently. If you live out of your car in Ireland, you're a transient. Like your people look down at you, be like this. You know that person's gone through hard times. Yeah. Uh, and I know it's the same over in the East Coast. Maybe it's grown a bit, but here on the West Coast, especially in Oregon and Bend, living out of your car, dirt bagging is just a way of life. And it's so socially accepted and people have just kind of opened it or brought it in with open arms. And I, I, I really like that. I feel like it's the same thing in New Zealand as well with that respect for the van life and dirt bagging. Mm. Like it is it is such a um, a thing there now. Yeah. All the all the people that are there on their working holidays are living out of their vans and um, and just traveling New Zealand in these like 1995 Toyota Hiaces, which they paid $1,000 for mm-hmm. and it's got... 250,000 kilometers on the speedo Um, but it works and it's it's really cool I think another thing that I found um, about the difference I I'm sure this isn't every especially here in Bend it's definitely not the case but in lots of other parts of the United States is a sense of community Mm. looking out for your neighbor not doesn't exist as much as it does in New Zealand and Ireland like it's well actually funny you say that though it's 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 something that reminded me especially here on the west coast um when I was hiking across America I think we're going to talk about that later but um I I was reminded a lot about the my west coast uh Galway Cork there's there is that very open-armed welcoming community that you would get 
uh, back home and they really they would bring in tourists travelers whoever and they'll chat the ear off you you know they'll want to hear your story and a lot of people over here remind me about that especially here in Oregon there's such a welcoming community and they love to take in yeah. foreign the foreign people but you know people from outsiders yeah. and they want to sit you down and they want to chat with you and they want to hear your backstory you know I open my mouth and they hear my accent same with yourself yeah. they want to know where you're from they know, know what you're doing here and, and all that stuff I definitely think that's a Pacific Northwest or West Coast thing mm. for sure because there's definitely been other occasions where um, uh, I have definitely not felt um, welcomed at all mm. um, it's like I go back to your home country kind of thing yeah. but yeah uh, I completely agree with uh, most of the points you raised there um, what have you found have been some of the challenges uh, you have faced in your life so far Oh, I mean, just growing up. <laughs> it's funny enough. Like it's my my twenties have been uh, a roller coaster. You know, it's I, I I'm I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Um, you know, I I had a a pretty straightforward kind of upbringing. You know, happy middle class parents together, still still together. Uh, older sister, younger sister. You know, we got on as a family. But I remember you know leaving school uh, with my head held high, thinking I was untouchable, invincible guy. And uh, life just kind of hit me like a brick wall, you know. It was all the things that I had thought about myself and thought were going to be possible kind of came in front of me and then I realised weren't necessarily what I believed in or weren't necessarily true. And it was it was, it was a very tough transition from living that kind of bubbled lifestyle to going into the real world and it kicking me on my ass, you know, and, and trying to get up out of that and being kicked back on my ass and just... Yeah, trying to grow up and discover who I am and what I want to do and who I want to be and what I want to be and it was it was it was a, that was that was definitely the toughest challenge I've had in my life, uh, just growing up and, and learning about myself. Um, I don't know if, if, if I can get it into it too much right now, but uh, it, but the the journey that I've gone through through these twenties, you know, I say I, I'm going to say probably like nineteen to to say twenty five that journey has kind of helped me become the person that I am today. It's helped me grow and learn and, and really, like, you know, appreciate what I have and what others have and, and, you know, potentially what's to come. Yeah. Open my eyes, you know. Yeah, I still feel like I'm going through that for sure. Mm. You're you're three years old, two years older than me, and I feel like I'm still definitely going through that. Mm. I'm turning 26 in a couple of months. Yeah. Um, so you, you didn't touch on it just then, but uh, you have told me in the past that you have suffered depression mm. uh, when you were younger. Um, as have obviously a lot of um, previous guests um, that have been on the podcast. It's very much a, a big issue throughout the world. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, how did you manage to overcome uh, depression and beat it? Or yeah. do, do you, uh, obviously you probably still have your down days. But Sure. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I would say uh, pretty pretty comfortably be able to say that I've, I've overcome it for the most part. Like you say, everyone has their bad, their, their, their bad days or down days. Um, but you know, I can I, I can touch on that later. But it, it it is what makes us human is to have those down days. It's but it's when you feel like the down days over or you know are, are you're living the down days longer than you're living the up days or any other days, and it's just it's what what depression is. Um, how did I overcome it? It's funny. I I tried to do it on my own as so many people, so many males would, would, would do. And first of all, you go into denial about it. You think, you know, it's, it's something I can overcome or it's just I'm in a bad mood or I'm in a rut. And you try and fix it yourself and you, you find yourself almost dissing yourself from the world because of it. And then you kind of have to come to the realization that no, you can't really do it yourself. And you have to get, you have to take in the people who are closest to you. So 
in my uh, example, it would be my, my, my family were fantastic. My, both my parents, they helped me through everything. They were so understanding and they, they were based, they were, they're so patient. Um, I think that's really the best thing if there's anyone else in your life who is going through something like this and you can consider them close enough to, to help them through it is to just be patient and really work with them and let them get through it themselves. But at the same time, just help them slowly by slowly, but you can't push. Um, but the real thing that got me over the hump um, was setting myself a goal. And it sounds so simple, but it's like when you fall, fall into a hole like that, things look bleak and you kind of like lose focus on you know anything other than your depression. It's it's to focus on something out out else outside of that little depression bubble and working towards it. So for me, it was um, my mother. She had talked to me about the Pacific Crest Trail. I think I may have been 24 or 23 even. I'm not 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 entirely sure exactly when she had done it, but she spoke to me about it and she she had mentioned it to me before earlier on in my life. And I remember I kind of laughed. I was kind of like, why would I want to walk when you know I I can just get in a car and drive across America? Because the idea of hiking across America for me was just like, you know, I liked the outdoors, but I wasn't like crazy into hiking and camping outdoors. It just wasn't, it just didn't interest me. But she had said it to me and I don't know, something kind of clicked in my brain and I, I, I felt kind of like a peak or an interest towards it. So I got a book, I um, a book that I'll recommend. It's, it's called um, Through Hiking Will Ruin Your Life. It's by Carrot Quinn. Um, that was the first book I read on the PCT and it was it, it got me hooked. Uh, I read the whole thing I think in two days and then I read it again a week later. And it's just it's just such a raw take on the PCT. Um, Carrot, she, I think she's now a triple crowner, I'm not sure about that. She's definitely done at least the, the PCT and the CDT I believe, I'm not sure about the AT. Um, but it's, it's, it was her first through hike like my own and she had gone through her own issues and it was just, it was a very relatable experience. Uh, and it's I just I remember reading it and the sense of community and the people that she met because she started solo like I did um, and she found these families and these people and she went through all the trials and tribulations of almost life in the six months as like you go your ups and downs you have your hard days you have your great days and uh, the, the whole idea that it, it ruins your life and it's true because I've experienced it is because when you do through hike and you do something like that not necessarily through hike but an adventure six month long travel anything like that your life will never be the same because you're always going to want to, you know, experience that. You're going to try and chase that dragon. Uh, and so reading that book just kind of opened my eyes to something outside of my own world. And I I decided to just focus on that. I, I literally made it my, like, had to do, it was my fixation. Um, and I spent the next two years on self-improvement and training because I knew that I was nowhere near ready for anything in that, you know, world to, to do anything like that. So every day I would read different kind of journals and entries on people hiking the PCT. I'd, I'd listen to podcasts, I'd watch YouTube videos, all this kind of cool stuff about it. And I just kind of keep, became more and more fixated. I went to the gym. I joined the gym for the first time and actually stuck with it. I joined the gym several other times before, but I had always quit. This time I actually stuck with it. And I just slowly but surely, every single day, I would have slowly like found a little bit more improvements, little goals that I could tick off. I'd written down goals every week and I was able to literally tick them off in a box and each one made me feel a bit better. And I feel a little bit more human every time I tick the box. And you know, slow process, as I said, three three odd years of, of, of going through it and hitting brick walls and doubting myself and starting over again and just all this kind of stuff. Um, but 
it was that one goal and it was a long-term goal and it was so wild and like unrealistic at the time that I just had to do it and it was that that's what kind of was the light at the end of the tunnel for me that I was able to yeah to get me over the hump I'll um I'll link that book below as well in the description mm. so you guys can check it out and grab it on Amazon or something um, for those of you that don't know, the Pacific Crest Trail is one of the three major hikes in the United States. It runs from the Mexican border to the Canadian border, and it's 2,660 60 miles, yeah. um, and it lasts roughly uh, six months. It's, I mean, for, actually, six months would be a slower time. There's people who are going to do it in four. Shoot. Yeah, they're the, they're the crazy guys. They're the ones who are looking for the fastest known times. But and then there's like people like myself who took my time, and I was like five and a half. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely planning to do it at some point. Not totally sure when, but hopefully in the next couple of years. Um, what was your your highlight of the PCT? If, hmm. if, if there was one highlight you otherwise... I what, mean, what have been some of your best experiences on the Would on you the like PCT? say like in terms of sections, places going? I mean, there's... there's Just... Anything, experiences, yeah. locations. Like obviously, you said your favorite part of the PCT is the Northern Washington and the North Cascades yeah. and like Goat Rock kind of area by mm. Mount Rainier. But um, I, I think the people. Uh, it was. It was. So I, I went into the PCT with very little expectations. Um, and the one expectation that I did kind of have was that I knew I was going to meet a lot of really cool and interesting people. Uh, there's these things called trail families that you're hike. You know, when you start a trail like that, you'll you'll group up with people and you'll become almost like a family. And um, I did experience that. So you know, through the desert section, so through Southern California, through the Mojave Desert, people tend to group together. And I think I had a group of five or six people for six, seven hundred miles. And we were we were family. You know, you see each other every day, all day. Uh, that and then also the people off the trail and I met trail angels. So a trail angel is somebody who would live kind of close to a trail town, a trailhead, and they dedicate their summers to taking care of hikers. Uh, specifically on the PCT, I know each through-hike long trail would have their own specific uh, trail angels, but there are these communities that you can find on, U- on, sorry, on Facebook or any social medias, and they literally went out of their way to help us. So if, it, it could be something as little as dropping a six-pack of beers at a trailhead for people to stumble upon, or it could be, you know, waiting with a car to drop them into town to help them pick up resupply all their food that they need for the next section and then dropping them back out the next day letting them sleep in their house letting them do laundry all this kind of stuff it was it was amazing and they they asked for nothing else in return other than company um you know some people kind of compare it to say couch surfing because you know you go from place to place people take you in and you you kind of entertain them for the night but it's it's like another level uh, and it blew me away um it really did, and it, t- it it never failed. And then, other than the people as well, I suppose it's it's just what you get out of, of of doing something like that. You know, it's it's six or five and a half or however long months of your life um, outside of a world, and you're you're consistently growing, you're challenging yourself, you're putting yourself through so much pain and almost like torture at times. But it's the rewards that you get out of it. You know, I'm I'm a stronger person physically and definitely mentally uh, throughout throughout all that to be able to get through it. I now have a new love for the outdoors. I've obviously I have a new love for this country and this part of the world. You know, I've I'd never could have imagined uh, seeing some of the things that I saw. So, just you know, the overall taking away point from doing something like that is is definitely going to be a highlight. You know. Yeah, I totally get that. I can't wait to uh, be able to experience mm. it in a couple of years. Um, what was the hardest thing about hiking the PCT? Hmm. 
uh, myself, my own, uh, my own brain. Uh, it's like because you're you're obviously you're with people, but for the most part, you're on your own the whole time. Yeah. Uh, it's it's literally like you will stop and you'll take breaks, and that's when people will catch up to you. So when you're hiking, you're in your head. So either you're listening to music or you're thinking about things. You're thinking about your future. You're thinking about your past. Uh, some of the best days I had on trail is when I could just like focus on the here and now. And it, it was usually, it was actually later on, uh, I was able to like focus on the smaller things. It was like getting to the next border source or food. But earlier on was is, is when you I was tackling myself, yeah. uh, I, all my doubts. You know, you, you start off at the beginning, you're like, there's no way I can do this. You know, how can I even imagine going 50 miles, let alone 2000 miles? It was such a big feat. Uh, I think my my pack weighed something like twenty five kilos or something like that at the beginning. So I'm I'm there in pain, trying to push myself to do fifteen miles a day, and it it was tough. Um, but it's like, as you battle with your own mind going through these things, I I, I kept on looking back at why I was there and the reasons why I was there, and it was always because the reason I was there was because I'm no longer where I was. I literally, this is this was my fixation point, you know, several years ago, three years ago, and no matter what crap is going through my head now, it's 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 just like, it is nothing in comparison to what I had been through. And I could, I kept on, whenever I doubted myself, whenever I, I even thought about quitting, it was always like, this is nothing from what you've been through. It's literally, you know, it, you're tired, you can take a break. Yeah. And that was able to get me through it. Um, so it's funny, it's like, it's the battle in my own mind that was the hardest part, but it was also probably one of the better parts because it just helped me to progress onwards and, and upwards, I suppose. I'm sure your mental strength is probably a lot a lot better for it as mm. well. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with that, yeah. So um, I didn't actually have this uh, question um, down, but um, does gear matter? Does <laughs> gear matter and what do you think of the ultra light movement? <laughs> or hiker trash as they're called. No, we're all hiker trash. The ultralight movement is, is, is people who, who work on getting the lightest amount of gear or lightest gear possible and, you know, just fixating on, on weight. And I don't, I don't have anything bad to say about the ultralight per, um, uh, groups or anything like that. It's, it's because the whole point of hiking, it's, it's called, you hike your own hike. You do whatever you want to do. Um, does gear matter? Up to a certain point, yeah, absolutely it does. You know, you're not going to rock up to Walmart or to Tesco's or to, or to wherever and pay $20 or euros on a tent and expect it to last for six months. So you're going to, you know, you have your big three, you've got your tent, you've got your pack and you've got your sleeping bag and maybe even a sleeping pad if that's what you, where you want to go. I would absolutely recommend spending good money on those. Um, other than that though, that's this is where the ultralight movement would come in and people, you know, they'll spend an extra $150 or so on something that will shave off four or five pounds, uh, and they'll also, you know, give up on certain luxuries for 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 uh, that extra bit of weight. Yeah, I'm, people give up like a cooker and just cold yeah, soak. They go and, cold soaking, yeah. and it's like, at the end of the day, uh, I I I was a proud heavy, ultra heavy hiker, as I like to call myself, and I know a lot of people would have looked at me and be like, how is this guy? on the PCT, they'd look at me like I was a section hiker, not rather than a through hiker. And I kind of got a kick out of it. Um, I was able to hike just as fast, just as strong as any other hiker out there. And that's just because my legs got used to it, my body got used to it. Uh, it was tough at the beginning, but now, you know, I'm stronger for it. And I always used to, to say, just, you know, kind of to, to joke around, was, 
you know the heavier the pack the stronger the legs and it's true you know i'm i'm definitely a much stronger hiker for it and it's helped me doing that has definitely helped me with you know the the direction that i'm trying to go in life the the, the jobs that i'm trying to go in life which is you know kind of hard labor high capacity work you know heavy packs and all that kind of stuff so it's helped me um but, definitely would have helped with uh, the fire job oh absolutely 100% has helped me with that yes like I'm a stronger hiker and I, I can out I, I a lot of people with you know less training even or like I'll get back to shape quicker um, but like I, I'll never I'll never discourage anyone who wants to be ultralight um, you know if you want to spend a little bit of extra money for that lighter gear then absolutely go for it it's, it's to each their own um, for me I always like to have a little bit of everything in my pack that I could have potentially needed and you know, um, uh, my hiking partner going southbound. I'll touch on that later. Um, she always joked that I had like, I was like the gadget guy. Like, if there was anything that was needed, I was always the guy to have it, and I was always the person. You yeah. know, I'd give my shirt off my back to someone if needs be. Yeah. Um, which I I kind of liked. Um. Yeah, because ultralighters normally don't have no. a change of clothes. No, absolutely not. They have, <laughs> have one change of clothes. Like, I mean, if people go so far down as to they'll buy a toothbrush and they will cut the toothbrush literally off by the bristles just so they can shave off those ounces. It's crazy. Um, and like I say, to each their own, but I, I, I know I, I, your pack is your home and I like to have everything I need in my home. So yeah. I had a little bit more than the average person, but you know, I still managed to finish it, you know? <laughs> so what advice would you give to someone who is wanting um, to hike the PCT? Yeah, so I'd always tell people not to overplan it. I met a lot of people who would have every single town that they were going to already like in their mind they had certain dates to get to each of these towns and it just it just seemed very overwhelming and it would put people under a lot of pressure. Uh, I learned very quickly that all of the plans that I did make went out the window after the first couple of weeks just because you know I was hiking at different paces to what I was expecting, unforeseeable injuries, the people you run into you know uh, the, the saying hike your own hike is, is definitely very important uh, and that's all about not letting other factors influence your own decisions on, on, on the trail you should just do what you want to do at the, the end of the day it's, 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 you're there for yourself but I was definitely of the mindset of keeping good people around me and I was never against you know staying in town for an extra day to let someone catch up or if someone was injured I'd wait around with them that kind of thing so in terms of planning like plan, of course, you know, have 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 an idea, general idea of, of, of where you're going to be and when you're going to be there, but don't like fixate on it. Uh, a lot of people did that. And I feel like a lot of people went off trail because of that, because it didn't go to certain plans. Uh, just be open minded and just kind of let it happen. You know, going with the flow is, is has become a kind of mantra of mine over the couple last couple of years. And the PCT has definitely kind of given me that mindset towards things. Um, other than that... I mean, it's 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 enjoy yourself. One of the best bit of advice uh, that was given to me uh, by my hiking partner was, uh, it's kind of like a no one to quit uh, mentality because at the end of the day, it's not not the not the end of the world if you have to quit something like that. It's it's not an easy thing to do and anything can happen. But she always told me that if the if the, if the harder days or the bad days ever outweigh the good days, that's when you got to stop and you got to assess and you got to ask yourself what is making this worse than it used to be or why is it no longer enjoyable anymore and if you can't find that answer then maybe it's time to admit to yourself that you've got to get yourself off trail even take a break 
Um, but I, I saw a lot of people and I met a lot of people who, who pushed themselves through unenjoyment. They had lost the love for the trail that a lot of people would have had. And it, it brought a negativity into their life that almost sucked other people into it, but mostly for themselves. And it's just not a good thing to see, you know? It's, it's yeah. when you see people lose that, that love and that, you know, passion for, for the outdoors. I, I actually heard as well that the, the number of people that actually leave the trail um, than complaining it is, is like, I, I heard what, five, roughly 5,000 people a year mm. on the trail mm-hmm. and I, I heard that less than half. I think way less than half would complete it. I, I think I remember it was something like 30% of, of, of the starters uh, who who would aim to through hike actually finish it. Um, mm. That's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so moving away from the PCT, we've only got a couple more questions. Um, so we actually only just talked about this um, a couple of days ago. Uh, so you studied marketing and was an account manager at a marketing firm. Mm. Um, and you were telling me that you thought that this was going to be your dream job and kind of the, the line you wanted to go down. Um, why did this not turn out that way? Yeah, so the dream job, it's, it's, it's funny. I always said to myself going through school that I, I wanted to be in marketing. And it was because uh, my father, my dad is in marketing, and my older sister, she is in marketing too. It's just, I felt like it was in the blood. Uh, I'm sure it's a trap that a lot of people would ever fall into. You know, you got your whole family doing it. You feel like, well, it's got to be me too. So I just kind of had that mindset going through college, or going through school anyway. And it was it was almost like I, I didn't need to care about what I was going to do in life because it was like, I already know what I'm doing, so I don't really need to try and work, focus on anything else. I know it's going to happen. And I told myself it was going to happen, so I believed it was going to happen. Um, so it, and I did. I did do it. Um, I tried studying it through college the first time around, dropped out. It was for other reasons, not, not necessarily just that I didn't want to do it then. So then I went away. I traveled. I went to Spain. Um, I bartended for eight months, and then I came back, and I attempted it again, and I finished it. And then I got hired in this agency, um, uh, the direct mail agency. I don't need to get too much into it, but uh, it it, it kind of hit me just that that lifestyle of of sitting at a desk and doing kind of the the this, the same thing kind of day in day out. Like I don't wanna I don't wanna shit in it or anything like that. You know, people live this life and it's it's a passion of theirs and all that. But I, I found out very quickly that it wasn't my passion, mm-hmm. even though I it was just something I just believed would be, and. Uh, for all of the, the the negative things that I'm saying about it, 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 it doing that, working in that you know agency, working in that kind of like life, and having that daily routine did help me in my life. It kind of helped me kind of work towards my own goals because at that point I had already told myself when I joined them I already knew I wanted to do the PCT, so I had already made my mind up outside of it because I, I just knew that this life wasn't for me. It was the monotonous nine to five. It was the walking to and from the same office every day doing the same thing. And it just, it, it, it didn't click with me and I, I, I didn't want to do it. But uh, I didn't mind the routine. The routine definitely did help. Uh, I'll tell you though, the day that I realized that it just, it was never going to happen. I was never going to work in an office again. This was after the PCT and I'd come back to work in the same agency, I'd, 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 I'd made a, not made a deal, but I had an understanding with my boss, my manager, she said to me, you know, go off, do your, do your hike, and then come back, and then you can focus on this, and you know, make this a career, I'm like, fine, absolutely, it was supposed to be me exploring my dream, um, I hadn't actually made the decision at that point that I didn't want to work in marketing anymore, but when I came back, 
having through hiked, um, I was walking to work one morning, and I were I so this is in Dublin, uh, just like outside the city centre, and I worked in the city centre of Dublin. It's like maybe a 10, 15 minute walk. Beautiful morning, uh, and I walk along a canal, um, and I walk past the same people every day, and I just remember looking up and I remember seeing these guys' faces, and it was just like a look of contempt. It's just like just zombies just doing the same thing, the same routine, and I'm like, I don't want to do that. That's, it was like an epiphany in my mind. I'm like, I don't want to do that. And I, I already had like, from hiking, I had these crazy ideas of what I may or may not want to do. And it was, it was, it was an idea of, of to become a firefighter over here was, you know, was in my mind. It was always a crazy idea. But that's when I started exploring the crazy ideas because I had already had one crazy idea that I didn't love. So I'm like, why not do it again? And it was, I'll never forget that day. And I went into work and I did the same thing I did, you know, four or five years three two three years previous and i like i i was just like wow i don't think i can take this idea out of my head um so for all the negatives there's definitely positives to it it, it kind of helped me make the decisions to to, to where i am today um it, it was definitely a good experience to have it and i learned a lot and i worked with some really good people too um but it's like i just think that life isn't for everyone and I am definitely not that kind of person me too yeah I could never see myself behind a desk in a working the nine to five for sure I don't think I'll ever be able to do a job like that and that's just me mm. I know my little brother's like that I know quite a few of my friends are like that um, but then there's obviously some other people that are perfectly fine with that and are content with their nine to five and that's totally fine as well mm. And you basically answered the next the next question as well so I'll move yeah. on to the one after that. Um, so yeah, we, you talked about, uh, wanting to be a, a firefighter. Well, actually, well, the, 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 why, so that, that, that was kind of important to me though. So you, your question is, you know, uh, when do you decide to become a wildland firefighter? But the, the why, that was like the idea, uh, when I was yeah. deciding that, but the why was because, so my hiking partner on the PCT, so I went southbound, I did half north, half, half south, I flip-flopped, sorry for all the, the jargon, the terminology. Uh, I met uh, Megan or her train name Belay. I met her like I think the first two days into my southbound journey, and we became very close. We're like she's one of my best friends to to, to date. So anyway, when I got home, I had I got went through a bout of post trail depression, which is something that you would experience after something like I had done. You go back to the real world and it hits you like a rock, and you just kind of have to come back to terms that your your life is gonna be normal versus what you've just been doing and she kind of helped me through it and one day she did this um kind of like um we were we were talking on the phone and she basically she she wanted me to explore what i wanted in life and it's kind of like an exercise that she was doing and it was a bunch of questions that she asked me um i i won't get into too much detail on the questions but it was some it was things like your favorite book, your favorite quote, uh, your best friend when you were a kid, your favorite movie, these kind of things. And for me, I, I, was, I just had to answer as, as clearly, not as clearly, but as honestly as I possibly could. And she said to me that when you do this, there's gonna be a few things that are gonna like almost connect and relate. You're not gonna notice them, but I will be able to see them. And, and she did. And one of the reoccurring themes that I said was get shit done because all of the books that I would recommend and the quotes and the movies were about these people who like to get shit done and would, you know, work towards it. And it was basically, it's, it's, it, it was how I wanted to see myself was the outcome for it. 
and the idea of the the wildland firefighter had been placed in my mind at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 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 like her answers just they really hit me. That like when she when she came back to me, I was like, wow, you know, it makes so much sense. You know, you've kind of opened my eyes here. It's 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 very clear because I kept repeating the same things, and then I said to her, I said, maybe maybe the idea of a wildland firefighter isn't so crazy. You know, and she's like, well, it sounds like they're the kind of people who you aspire to be and you look up to. So why wouldn't it be? And and that kind of put me in the direction. So she definitely helped me there. Um, and yeah, from that moment on, it was like new goal, new crazy idea. So there's a lot of things that kind of came together in that short amount of time. And what do you do as a wildland firefighter? And do you do you still enjoy it? Um, what is the like the future looking like for you as a wildland firefighter? Yeah, so. What do I do as a wildland firefighter? Um, I'm a sawyer, so I work with the chainsaw. And yeah, there's a lot of things uh, you can that's do. That's why you want to cut the tree down tomorrow with the chainsaw. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I work I work with a chainsaw. I, I got my first taste on the chainsaw last last summer. Um, and it was, a, it was a short little taster. Um, I was literally, we went out and we were doing some trail maintenance. We weren't even on a fire. We were out in Mendocino in California, Northern California. And we were kind of on on call. So if there was, say, a lightning strike or a fire were to happen in that area, we would be the first ones on it. So they were keeping us busy. But uh, my boss, uh, he gave me the chainsaw and I got to work on it that day. And it just excited me. Um, but so in terms of things, so like when people ask what we do as, as, as wildland firefighters, so there will be a fire as there are, as we speak, there's many many going on around us colorado wyoming california California, washington all of the west coast it's it's horrible but unfortunately it's just a way of life this part of the world and i work for a private company called patrick um and so a fire will happen and we will get called to it depending on how big it is depending on the resources out there we'll be using in 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 certain ways uh what we always aspire to, to to get uh, is to be thrown right into the thick of it. Um, we do this thing called hotline. So it's, 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 as we say, one foot in the black. And the black is the burnt area. Green is the unburnt area. And we are skirting where the fire is going to be burning. And we're digging line. Um, or the, the people with tools are digging line. The people with saws are up ahead of the people with tools. And they're clearing a path. And I got my first taste of that this year. Other than that, though... The fire will burn, it will do its thing, and then we will do uh, what's called mopping up. And we basically, we go to the already burnt out area, we'll go out to the black, and we we seek and destroy smoke and hot spots. And we put them out with either hose, or like, you know, with water, or we literally just dig it, and we get cold soil, or dirt, or whatever, and we'll mix it together. And we gotta do that 100%. It's, it's hard, and it's long work, and it's strenuous, and it can be boring as hell, or, it's like full on, like balls to the wall, working with fire blowing up in your face. You have airplanes flying over your head, dropping retardant. You've got helicopters dropping water on you. There's, it's it. it there's there's very little middle ground. Um, you're either 100% or you're like slow, long days, long boring days, and you're kind of waiting for that next call. Um, do I still enjoy it? Absolutely, I still enjoy it. It's 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 kind of my kind of life's focus of the last couple of years you know i've kind of been working towards it but uh i think i'm i'm more or less using uh my time working as a firefighter to, to to work towards something else something maybe a bit more steady uh and i i would like it to 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 revolve around a chainsaw to be honest it's as i said once i started using it i fell in love with the thing 
Um, and there's plenty of really you know good jobs out there, high paying jobs and respected jobs that you can use with it. Um, at the moment, I'm, I'm I'm looking into to Arbery, into tree surgeon, um, and and anything along kind of along those lines. But I still would like another at least two years uh, out of this job, out of out of being a firefighter. Um, there's you know as I said. This is just a way of life over here on the West Coast. Fires happen every single year, so there's always a massive demand for us. It is also very seasonal, though. Yeah, absolutely. It's seasonal. So, yeah, I actually haven't touched on that. That's that's probably one of the best parts about it is that you can you can work for six months and you can save up... Um, ideally, you can save up enough money for an entire winter's worth of, of, of survival. So if you're going to be living as, as a dirtbag, living out of your car or, you know, working in a hostel or whatever... You, you wouldn't have to really worry about expenses because you've spent the last six months kind of working towards it. So in my eyes, it's kind of like I'm getting best of both worlds. I, I can work a job that I, 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 I do enjoy doing, I really enjoy doing, and I, I can get a lot out of. And then I can kind of play for six months. It's, it's, it's a great lifestyle. It's not very long-term minded. Uh, like, you know, I don't have a 401k. I'm not working on a pension. I'm literally working month by month or six months by six months but I still feel like, you know, being 28 years old, I'm still young enough to, to be able to kind of make, make these crazy decisions and kind of live this lifestyle. And then come maybe mid-30s is when I can start focusing on settling down a bit, maybe getting kind of a job a bit more steady and, and a bit more consistency in life. Um, but yeah, for now, it's perfect for me. Um, it's, it's labor and I do really enjoy working those kind of jobs. It's, it's one of the more rewarding things that you can do. Um, and it's you know it's great people you're working with and you know to be able to say you're a firefighter is also is it, it's a really good feeling um people you know there's a big amount of respect that comes towards it uh, and you know you feel good about yourself too you know you're doing a great thing for for this for this beautiful part of the world too you know you're helping stop these horrible fires from spreading and, and destroying these beautiful forests and yeah yeah, it's it's definitely sad to see um, these big fires burning though, especially like in Colorado at the mm. moment. They've got their third largest fire they've ever had, and and I, I yeah, unfortunately, like many parts of Australia as well, it's just a, a way of life, and people do have to be cautious with living in the trees and in these kind of environments for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, obviously, very thankful that you guys are here to to put those fires out and to protect everyone in wildlife and bushland. Um, so a couple more questions, um, before we finish up, uh, what, what does the future hold? Like what, what are you wanting to do? Obviously that's kind of a loaded question as well, given the whole COVID situation, we don't really know what's happening there. So immediate future. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you were telling me if you could get to New Zealand next year, you'd do Mm. the TA. Um, and obviously you're kind of looking forward to the ski season here in Bend, uh, but you can obviously elaborate sure. on that a bit more. It's a little bit up in the air, uh, as you well. I mean, it's what we're we're right now. We're in the middle of toward the ends of of, of August, so I'd like to to see a few more fires in my in my future potentially. Uh, if that's not the case, um, then I'm lucky enough to be kind of in a really good place. That kind of from 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 what I've done in my life, kind of working in bars and stuff like that. It it shouldn't be too difficult to find some work. Um, I would like to to kind of focus on uh, the Mount Bachelor working as a as a kind of a ski bum this winter. It's, it's something I've never done, and it's definitely appealing to me. I love to ski, 
um, and there seems to be a pretty good program. You know, you work your two, three shifts a week and they give you a free pass. So I, I could definitely look into doing that. But COVID provided though, as you said, um, if things do start to open up again, I would definitely love to head over to the Southern Hemisphere and head to, to your homeland and, and hike across it and do the Te Araroa. Uh, I probably butchered that one. but He, he actually did not butcher that, guys. Oh, okay. he, he did a very good effort there. Um, yeah, I've, I've learned from the best. <laughs> um, I Trust me, I, I, I didn't call it that way before. Uh, but I'd, I'd love to do it, but in a, in a, in a bit of a different way. Uh, the Obviously, the traditional way of doing it is you hike both islands. But I'd love to hike the southern island, kayak around the coast to the tip of the northern island, and then maybe cycle down or maybe hike down, whichever would be easier and kind of the most cost-effective way. But I, I do want to get a kayak out of it. And the idea of, of, of doing some long distance sea kayaking, uh, it does appeal to me and somewhere like New Zealand, like I'm sure it's just incredibly beautiful. You can probably touch on that one and agree or disagree. Oh no, I, I definitely agree with mm. that. There's even like long enough rivers that link together that you could probably like even stay, not be in the ocean for like 80% of it. Sure. You probably only, you could use the rivers for at least 50% of it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, like that's kind of immediate future, and then post that, you know, I can, I'd like to work the fire season again next year. Um, maybe, you know, uh, I've been, you know, there's, there's there's thoughts of joining a federal crew. It's just because the main issue with working with a private crew is just work is very inconsistent, and you only get paid per fire. But if you work with a federal crew, you you know, you're getting six months of work, and you're getting paid for six months of work. So it's a guaranteed season that you'll be getting. Um, the work may not be as intense. Or maybe you may not even see as much fire. You may see more. It's all going to depend on the crew and the area that you're in. But it's it's definitely going to be something I'm going to explore. And then also I need to explore what what the future kind of kind of holds for me. And somewhere in that space that I want to work towards with with a chainsaw. You know, working with trees. I I, I enjoy working with trees. Kind of like a it, it it goes against it. If you love to work with trees, you love to cut them down. But it it, it does. You know, there's a necessary evil that needs to be done which is cutting trees down in certain uh, cases saving forests from fires or saving you know properties that trees may fall down branches all that kind of stuff yeah for sure um, it's, it's an interesting world and you're definitely in like for for the uh, the near future you're definitely in a good spot like like you said um, if you need to work in the bar or something mm-hmm. obviously Bend has 24 craft beer breweries and then You've got the mountains right there. You've got climbing, hiking, skiing, oh, and the snowshoeing in the winter. Mm-hmm. It's like perfect spot. And uh, there's one last question uh, that I have for you. And as a, a Blackburn Rovers fan <laughs> and as a, a Chelsea FC fan, why Manchester United? <laughs> it's funny. Um, my best friend, uh, I mean, growing up, probably from the age of four to say 12 after we, I think I moved when I was like 11 or 12, but my best friend, he was a diehard Liverpool supporter and I didn't want to be the same as him. So I chose United because diehard rivals. And I, I was never like huge into, into football, into soccer. Um, like through those years, it was more just like a, a playful rivalry with my, with my mate. But my dad, he's a, he's a huge rugby fan and he's just not a fan of, of football. He just doesn't like watching. He says it's terribly boring. Uh, I, I, I can I can kind of side with them in certain ways, but I mean I do I still love the sport I love I love soccer, and um, but it kind of made me wanna 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 watch it more because it kind of like irked him a little bit. I, I also I love rugby too. Don't get me wrong, it's like definitely one I mean, of my favorite Irish, sports. You have to, absolutely, yeah. 
Um, but like now, yeah, I'll, I'll have football on the TV. He'll come and he's like, oh, for God's sake, here we go again. And he'll, you know, shout at my mum. He'll be like, MP, Mikey's watching football again. And she's like, I don't care. So, <laughs> but uh, no, and, and like, I mean, they're a great side, you know. Uh, in terms of actually like the club itself, I fell in love with it because, you know, just the history, the heritage. They were an, amazing to watch, you know. Growing up, they were the best club in pretty much, in the well, not in the world, but they were one of the best clubs in the world anyway, definitely in England. Just like utter domination. Uh, watching. Have you been to Old Trafford? Uh, yeah, I have once. Uh, I went to one game against West Ham. Um, How about good? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that was that was that was a fun time to do it. But like, I'd like to go see them more. I probably will the rest of my life. But um, to just to say that I got to see like one of the best teams in the world is is a good thing, you know. Um, but uh, tough times now. They seem to be kind of going in a, in a, in a good direction. I haven't been able to watch. And follow football as much as I as I used to uh, this this last summer, but it's just usually because I'm so busy and I'm yeah. across the world. Because it's still it's still on the TV. Over yeah, here. it is. They yeah. definitely NBC definitely shows the Premier League quite yeah, a bit. Like that. And the whole Corona thing, you know, it's throwing everything kind of into whack. It's 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 strange. I have no idea what the future lies for for the sport and all sports in general. It'll be it'll be weird to see and how it all adapts. But it's everything's changing. I had to sell my Vancouver Canucks season pass. Oh damn. Yeah, that's that's a sad. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was sad. Yeah, but uh, yeah, thanks very much, Mikey. Um, I hope you guys uh, found that very interesting. I certainly did. He's uh, certainly lived a pretty amazing life, and uh, I'm definitely jealous that he's managed to hike the PCT and uh, complete a marathon, which I haven't managed to do yet. So, yeah, thanks very much, mate. Cheers for having me, man. Yeah, pleasure. Not a problem. <laughs>